Guys, welcome to Nathan Cage Interview Podcast on the couch today. We've got Claudia. Claudia? Hello. Is Claudia okay? Yeah, it's Claudia Zapata. Yeah. Claudia Zapata. <laughs> uh, with an inspiring story to tell. Uh, it's going to be quite raw. We're going to talk about growing up in Colombia, you know, with the likes of Pablo Escobar, which is extremely relevant. Um, but, you know, there's a, a touching story to tell um, and how she's gone from being there and raised there to being in the UK having her own business, three beautiful boys. Yes, three amazing, um, very naughty. So, <laughs> are, aren't they all? <laughs> yes, they're yeah. absolutely all. Uh, but Claudia, welcome. Thank it's you. It's an absolute pleasure to Thank have you, you here. Thank you so much. Um, and so, look, I suppose what people want to know, I suppose look, the burning thing that people want to know is talk about Colombia. I mean, you were brought up in Colombia, right? Yeah, so I was born in Colombia in the 80s. And I, I know sort of <laughs> now it's all really sensationalised with sort of narcos and, and everything else, but... Back then, it was sort of really raw. Um, we lived in Medellin, in one of uh, in a barrio called Manrique, which is sort of not not sort of your best areas. Um, my mum is one of eleven. Wow. Yeah. So huge one family, um, really poor sort of district, and that's that. That was the kind of area where you had a lot of sort of Pablo's men uh, gathering up sort of young teens and, and getting them into sort of uh, killing and sort of working for his enterprise, so, so to speak. Um, so the struggle, I think, for my mum, uh, being there in Colombia, single mother at the time, and sort of coming from quite a difficult sort of background and, and family unit was to take me out of there. So that was her sort of main priority, was to be able to offer me something uh, completely different. She had no idea about any other country. <clears throat> so I think when you're there, you're so sort of um, sheltered, and it's, it's so much kind of that that's sort of your entire world. It's not like now that, you know, even if we haven't been to South America, we know so much about it. And, uh, you know, with the internet and, and everything else, it, it's sort of the world is your oyster. Whilst Absolutely. there, it's, it's completely... I think she must have felt super alone. She knew one person um, who lived in Primrose Hill, and that person allowed her to stay with her for six months. Wow. Uh, by then, she started working. Uh, she got the money to bring me over. So I came over when I was five. So she came over on her own her She came first. over on her own. She didn't know anybody at all. She didn't speak a word of English. Um, she, I think she arrived, and the next day, she, she went to work for a Greek restaurant um, in Camden Town, and they offered her work. Um, obviously at the expense of, of being slightly exploited without sort of any uh, employee rights, so to speak. But, but they were her livelihood, you know, so they gave her the opportunity to work. No papers, illegal, you know, because wow. uh, she overstayed her, her visa. Uh, brought me over with my grandmother and then she slowly, slowly began to bring every single member of her family uh, to the UK and to, to kind of take them out of, of that violence at, at that time. So that's kind of where it all began. That's, and you have many memories of, of growing up in I Colombia? I do, I do. Uh, my main sort of memory is my granddad. So he was, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite weird to, to think of it because he gave me the love that he didn't necessarily give his children. Um, he was quite abusive and... Uh, you know, my grandmother suffered years of domestic violence, as I think so many other women did at that time. It was the norm. Yeah. Um, sort of, you know, men could come and go as they liked, and there was a lot of alcohol and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, but he was that father figure that I didn't have. And my relationship or my kind of um, memories of him are all but very fond. So, 
Nice. Well, well yeah. <laughs> For me, it yeah, was nice. You know, um, I, I obviously sympathise with the rest of my family who had to see a different side of him. Do you not think that there's a different time? So I've always noticed this when people have their children and they, they then have grandchildren. Mm. They look after their grandchildren in a way that they didn't look after their own children. Yeah. I, yeah. And I don't, I, that, I don't think that's just necessarily a culture thing. I think that's just grandparents yeah. and that's humans yeah. in general. I, I think so. And, and I, I remember one thing, you know, my mum would always say to me, never be afraid. Ne- never be afraid of him. Never be afraid of anything. So I, I'd walk in, you know, three years old and I'd dance for him <laughs> and I'd talk to him in a way that nobody did yeah. or nobody dared to speak to him, you know, and I'd calm him down if he was angry. Say, oh, that's not the way you, should, you shouldn't speak to them like yeah. that. You know, little thing. <laughs> so I think that sort of courage, um, and and I think just I, I just saw him as I didn't see him as scary grandpa. I saw him as gordito, which means fat in Spanish. Gordito, you know, gordito, because he had a big belly. belly. <laughs> so I like stroke it, gordito. Don't be sad. <laughs> um, I think he just sort of he just he was completely different with me. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I came here to. So the UK when I was five and a half, um, I'd been separated from my mum for, for a year and a half. So I was there with my grandparents when I came here. I didn't speak a word of English. Uh, it was a new school. I came in December and I think the first thing I asked my mum was, is there no sun here? No. <laughs> Freezing cold. Freezing cold. I was used to playing on the streets in Colombia. You know, it's, it's just completely different. Sure. right? And here, kids are sort of in houses and it's a bit different. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, you were raised in northwest London. Yeah. Um, so you came here when you were five. You said five. Five and a half. I came here. Yeah. How do you remember like going to school at five and learning to speak English and God, meeting friends? I and... do. I do. I remember. I remember it quite clearly because I, I think by five and a half you've got you've got good grasp of sort of memory. Um, I remember just being able to say yes and no. Yeah. And sort of just sitting really quietly, and. <laughs> sort of absorbing everything in. My mum says that I, you know, my teachers would, would say, you know, she's not speaking, she's not saying anything whatsoever. And at six months, I could speak fluently. Wow. So I, I didn't kind of utter Comes a word. Comes quite quickly with children. Yeah, exactly. Do you think, I mean, there's not many children that remember anything from the ages of four, four or five and six. And do you think that you're holding on to those memories because it was... Something that you maybe you have to hold on to, like those memories are quite raw, they're I quite different. So. Yeah, um, I, uh, yeah. It's not like a memory you're just playing in the park and it's just a sort exactly. of a casual day. These are, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they were. One, it was a an environment that children shouldn't be in. That's mm. that's kind of the environment that I grew up in. Um, my grandfather's business here in the Gallera, for uh, you know anyone who speaks uh, Spanish, a Gallera is sort of a cockfighting. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So, you know, we're talking um, heads of mafia there, betting on, you know, cockfighting yeah. and, you know, heads of police. It was a place where everybody would join. Wow. And wow. then you'd have, you know, they, they'd be enemies. But, but there they would uh, be gambling, they'd be betting. And I was in and amongst that. That was, that was like a home. Wow. So, it's like somebody real life from Narcos, from <laughs> Pablo <laughs> currently sitting on the couch it's quite incredible okay so you do have you know you have great memories I'd say great mem- you have clear memories of those days yeah. so you brought us up in northwest London you've you learned to speak the, the language found yourself at home did you just sort of learn to adapt to the life in the UK as a child you think I did I did feel 
I felt a little bit sort of, um, I think at the beginning I felt a little bit sort of alone or a little bit excluded. Um, and it, it felt different. It, it did feel different. And um, I think for sort of 10 years when my mum and I had sort of arrived or my mum first arrived and I joined her, um, we didn't have papers. We were illegal. Yeah. You know, but we also didn't have a network and we didn't have advice. And it was sort of pre-internet when you can sort of find help and tips and, and legal advice. Yeah, you sure. Know? So we were pretty much kind of... I think we felt quite alone in in sort of a very faraway place with nobody to really sort of guide us on sort of next steps. Yeah. So um, my mum cleaned for years um, and, and that's how sort of we lived. We lived in a small flat and it was very cosy and I have sort of lovely memories of, of sort of us kind of growing up. But things changed when we, we then became um, you know, legal residents, legal citizens. In what way? Things changed it in that I felt that this was home. I remember I was always afraid of sort of um, immigration coming to knock on our door and, and take us back. Yeah, that's really frightening. It is frightening. Uh, we had we had immigration come in. Um, I think I was about seven or eight, and I told them where my mum worked. I told them where I went to school, everything, because they came in. They said we want to help you, but that's not the case. And when I, when, when my mum came in, she was like told him everything we had to move yeah um because it was a risk for us so it was always we were always unstable even though you know she had an income or we had a roof there was that instability sure. that we sort of experienced and I think we didn't I didn't quite sort of call UK home until all of our sort of legal residents there's sort of like a that sort of subconsciousness of that worry, like it's always in the back of your because mind. You don't belong yet. Yeah. You're not legal. You don't belong. Anytime you can be, you know, back home. <laughs> how how did society treat you? And if if they did treat you differently, because obviously, you know, back in the day, it was you know, legal illegal immigrants, yeah, yeah. and there's always that sort of that stigma attached to it. Where they're coming over, they take our jobs, and it wasn't like that. And it's a true case of your mother wanting to do better by her yeah. family. Yeah. You know, it's not a case of, I just want... I, she came here to work. Yeah. She came here to provide for her family, not to sponge off the, the government or whatever. Because you're not in the system at all anyway. So you have no... You have, there's no safety net for you. Or, yeah. On the contrary, I think you're quite vulnerable to be exploited. Yeah, absolutely. Because of, because of that vulnerability. So yeah. you have no workers' rights. You have no sort of tenancy contracts or, or anything like that. And people understand that and... Um, I, I think we were quite lucky. We had sort of angels in our way, and I definitely found sort of refuge in school and my teachers. I remember having teachers which were sort of really loving and warm towards me. Um, I remember enjoying, uh, you know, their stories and, and reading time on the mat and you know stuff like. Were you good that. at school? I was. I was. I was really quiet though. I was a bit kind of on the shy side, so I'm a bit of an introvert. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a, a clue? Did you find... So normally, I suppose, look, you always find groups of communities, which I love. You know, you'll find a group of, you know, Iraqis, or a group of Portuguese, yeah. or a group of Italian. And wherever area you go to, you'll find, like, a lovely little network and a community of that, you know, of, of that culture. Yeah. Did you did you find that at all? Did, you, no, did your mum really. find that? My, I think my mum found it with sort of the ch a church that we went to. Okay. Um, I think that was very much sort of her community and, and her sort of... Um, I think it was a process for her to sort of heal from everything that she'd experienced in Colombia. Did that help? That helped her. Yeah. That helped her massively. Um, and sort of, you know, I look back then and I see sort of how much she's grown. <clears throat> um, 
maybe 10, 10 years ago, roughly, when I was doing my law degree, um, I sat her down and I said, look, you can't clean all your life. You, there'll come a point where you're going to be tired. You're not going to be able to do that kind of work. Of and um, she listened to me and she got a degree in herbal medicine and she's now a herbal practitioner. Wow. So that is a massive life change. You know, and I think she found that through education. I found that through education as well. I think that's why I'm so... I'm an advocate for for education and, and, and for girls to be sort of all of our girls to be in sort of our talent pool, so to speak, you know. Um, and I can really see sort of um, her her kind of growth. So what? Okay. So how did your mum develop as a person as well? Because obviously she's come over with her child mm, to protect mm. her, to give her a better life and a better future, and she's now learnt medicine. Yeah. Which is, you know, what gave her what what do you think gave her and we'll talk about your determination later on but what gave her her determination what gave her her that motivation to be able to go on and do that because most people have thought I'm here now I'm fine I could probably just relax take my foot off the gas my child's gone through education and she's doing well yeah yeah. um what get what gave her that drive what what was it that I wanted I, to... I think I bullied her into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think in a way I kind of sat down. I didn't really kind of give her much time to th- sort of think yeah. about it. And I said, you can do this. I'll help you. I was like, look, if I'm doing it, you, you can do this too. I'm going to help you. We'll, we'll do it together. And she was like, okay, do you really do you think? I said, yes, yes, you can. We're going to have to think about sort of those years ahead, which now you're, you know, you're strong and you can do this, but I don't want to see you clean all your life. Yeah. Um, so I think she didn't really sort of think about it. And then when she was there, she was like, oh, I can't do essays. <laughs> what have you made me do? <laughs> but, you know, she's come out of it and she's amazing. Like her talent and her, her, the way she works with people is, is incredible. So she really enjoys it. She has a passion for it. Yeah, of course. That's amazing. Absolutely. And so how, what is your mum doing now? So she's just doing, med- she's into medicine. Yeah. Does she work for herself? Does she work she for a company? She works for herself. Um, so as a herbal practitioner, you, it, it's sort of um, orthodox medicine. Um, it's more kind of preventative as well. So it, it falls into sort of lifestyle. And it's like I'm advertising for her. Yeah, no, you can, absolutely. Does she have a website, a shop? She does, yeah, herbtality.com. What's it called? Herbtality.com. Herbtality.com, yeah, okay. Exactly. Check it out. I'll put a link in below. Thank you. So, um, she works for herself and it's more kind of uh, lifestyle changes, food, um, in, instead of taking sort of uh, chemicals, you're looking at plant-based um, yeah. medical yeah. medicines. Yeah, I hear, no, I hear you, I hear you. And how's, how is that going? I mean, is, is, is she making money from it or is it something that she's just doing because she loves doing it? She's slowly picking up clients and... Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 nice because it's slow paced and she can kind of work in in her own time and see her clients and, and sort of yeah. Is she both? Is she based locally? Yeah, yeah. She's in Highgate. Oh, just around yeah, the corner. Around okay. The corner. So where are you? So tell me. Okay. So let's skip school. So mm. well, let's go from the age of sixteen. You finish your GCSEs. Finishing GCSEs. Um, I'm completely lost with regards to A levels and what to do. Um, Haverstock was great, but I also think that we lacked so much sort of guidance um, in that. So I went into sciences. Science isn't my thing. Um, I later on found out that what I wanted to do was it is more sort of um, sort of sociology based subjects. So um, academically, that's that's kind of what what I love to study is people, and yeah, I love to read and essays, and, and so I got into law. So I did my law degree. 
at university? At the university, yeah, yeah at, at university here in the UK. Loved it. Um, didn't go into pupillage to become a barrister because it was really difficult with um, obtaining pupillage and the money and the investment that you have to make. It, I just, it wasn't for me. Yeah. And I was a single mother um, then. So I did my whole uh, degree with Daniel, who's my first my first boy. He's now 14. Wow. Um, so at that time, when I started, he was two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started studying. My focus was sort of my education and him. That is incredible. Yeah, thank you. you. You're studying law whilst, you know, whilst a single parent. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I lived in a hostel for about four years um, wow. because my relate, I broke up with um, Dan's dad and... Uh, Why did you? Wh- how did you? Li- how did you find yourself being in a hostel? So I moved to Belgium to to sort of be with him, and it didn't work out. Okay. Um, and so when I came back here to to the UK, I didn't want to move in with my mum necessarily. I wanted to kind of have my own space, mm-hmm. um, and not being able to sort of afford uh, an apartment, I I went into a hostel and I lived there for four years. So I went through the whole kind of application. Yeah. Um, and those four years were sort of my law degree and my one-year bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I finished there, and then I, I got my place. I got I got my apartment after that, um, and I started working in sales. Um, so I worked heading up um, event portfolios and learnt the ropes around sponsorship mm-hmm. and events. Um, and that's kind of what I've taken in now. So that's that's very much part of what I do now. Um, so I head up a program called the Wing Program, mm-hmm. and it is an event itself. It's a summit and an awards scholar, but it celebrates um, sort of initiatives which are making impact in learning, uh, community impact, role models, female role models. Um, but what we wanted to do was create a business which would be able to kind of give back to communities. Yeah. So we invest a percentage of what we make into uh, supporting, at the moment it's supporting children in rural Uganda. Wow. Um, so we provide all of their school fees, their uniform, their food for a whole year, um, and there's also sort of a membership option where if you wanna, if you wanna be able to sort of make an impact and, and, and help help a child, then you can without any of that money being absorbed into sort of us or travel or, or, or fees. So it's it's a very easy way to to help somebody. How could somebody find out about this charity? Where could they go to sort of find yeah, out what so, you're doing? So the website is www.raices, which is r a i c e s dot org dot uk. Um, but because it's not sort of a charity, it's a social enterprise. Um, we can. Uh, I went to Uganda in 2015, and I took my eldest son there, Daniel. And so we lived at this school in rural Uganda, lived with Isaac's parents, and he heads up our community work there. And there it was kind of where I found out that for as little as £10 a month, you can support a child yeah. through education. Okay, so there's always... Um, so I'm going to challenge you yeah, a little yeah, bit. There's always this thing about, you know, for £10 a month, you can support a child. How much of that £10 actually goes towards a child? 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 
because Isaac doesn't doesn't use that money for his travel. Isaac works in in farming. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a salary through our event, and so this is a platform where I created it so that people could actually help a hundred percent without being suspicious of exactly that. Yeah, how much of my money is going to the beneficiaries? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went there, I was like, "Mum, this is crazy! You can help somebody for as little." Like, you know, we've always won. You, I, I think. People want to help. What inspired you to do this? And this is something we're going to again later on because I've got a few questions for you. But what inspired you to do this? We just pick up and go with Daniel. Yeah. I got speaking. I met Isaac at a conference in Oxford and it was on sort of global development and education. And and it was kind of very much sort of a humanitarian um, uh, conference. And I started my master's in international humanitarian affairs. So it was very much related to uh, what I was studying. I met Isaac, spoke to him, and then we just, just got talking and we connected, uh, you know, sort of his passion, his advocacy in, in helping end uh, period poverty. And I thought, I know someone now that I, I can just go and see it for myself and teach Daniel something else as well and, and be able to kind of, I think, just to learn and grow and understand a different, a different culture. Did Daniel understand it, do you think? I think Daniel was petrified at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure he was. <laughs> he was <torn. laughs> No, he was, he was a bit, yeah. It, it was... Um, it was just a, a complete sort of shift in what in what you think. You know, the scores are, are different and the way you eat and you cook and you live is completely different. Like, Mum, where's the toilet? There's no toilet, darling. <laughs> <laughs> There's a hole. <laughs> wow. But th- that's a great life experience for him. Yeah. You know, he would have that forever. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, and that's something that he can definitely take on into sort of his, his teens where that should be able to set him up to be sort of grateful yeah. and appreciate when he comes yeah. home to his luxuries. He's got, he walks to the shops and he sees all of this food where he doesn't need to then complain about they don't have the certain type of sandwich that he wants. Exactly. You know, it's about appreciating everything that you've got in this, in the society, the lucky that you know, we're so lucky in the society where we walk into a supermarket yeah. and you've got a range of different sa- tastes of sandwiches. Exactly. I saw one guy the other day in Sainsbury's and he walked in there and he's looking at it this is all shit. All shit. <laughs> I was like, you've just walked into a shop. Yeah, you walked into a shop and there's food ready prepared in a packet. All nice you- and packaged all- and looking lovely. <laughs> and you're moaning because it has, you know, there's one that doesn't, a sauce that doesn't exactly. fit your taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would do him the world of good. And I think, yeah should keep him grounded a little bit. I, I think more people should kind of do that. And I know we travel so much, but so, but it's so different when you really sort of ex, just experience it. And, 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 you know, I lived with Isaac's family um, and I helped with the cooking and everything else. And <clears throat> they're sort of governors of the school at the time. So, so we lived on the premises of the school. Um, but, you know, there are children there that are waking up at four or five in the morning to be able to collect water. They have to walk for one, two hours and then get ready and go to school. Most of them, you know, without sort of enough food and, and they're not eating in school. <clears throat> the kids behave when they go to school there. Yeah, they do. But they have, do you know what it is? They, what I saw in them was they have this tenacity and they have this hunger to learn which I don't necessarily see it everywhere here. Yeah. Um, I'm just speaking sort of, of my own sort of experience. Yeah. You know, sometimes my boys are a bit like, oh, I don't want to go to school. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what I mean? Because they know that society gives them every, everything is around them. Exactly. 
You wake up, there's electricity, there's water from a tap, there's a toilet, there's mums take you to the school, there's cars, buses, trains. Exactly. So sort of seeing that and, and kind of seeing the, the sort of their hunger to learn and to progress and sort of how they value education, that, that's where it is. It's the mm. value of education that, that they, I saw in sort of these children. And I just fell in love with the area. I genuinely did. And so I spoke to my mum and we created a little WhatsApp group. And I was like, look, the, you know, these children are sort of particular cases sort of this child has had to um, leave because their parents can't afford their school fees can we help can we commit to sort of sending money so we did this for a couple of years and <clears throat> and we supported them through you know sending money to Isaac through Western Union he'd come back and show us the pictures and the receipts and everything else and now we've incorporated it into our business that's so, amazing yeah it is beautiful to see how it's sort of grown into something which is which is sort of real and it's official and it's got a name. It's got a name. So yeah, I love that. How would somebody go about sort of getting involved with a charity or maybe <clears throat> getting involved with a family like Isaac? Okay. So what it is, it's 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 a membership. Um, so <clears throat> we host our events, and then on the side of it, because we're discussing, say for example, our, the Wing Program is our first portfolio of events, and it discusses Which one? the Wing Program. Wing Program. The Wing Program is happening in September the thirteenth in yeah. Stockholm. It's focused on education and how education, say for for girls, shouldn't be necessarily a humanitarian issue, mm -hmm. but it should start moving into more of a corporate issue. So we, we're seeing more and more companies um, investing in diversity and inclusion in the workplace, equality in the workplace, more female leadership, right? Yeah, nice. And they've got sort of uh, budgets for this, so to speak, but you can't really have sort of <clears throat> honest and transparent conversations about diversity and inclusion if you're still if you still have 143 million girls out of school do you see my point sure. so what i'm trying to say is what we have to do is to really have a diverse and inclusive workforce we need to include everyone yeah. into our talent you know uh pool so to speak um so that's what the wing summit and awards is there to do it's to raise awareness to discuss sort of issues um in different countries with sort of education and and work and and how sort of companies can do more uh to have sort of more active initiatives to get girls say into stem subjects and you know girls into sports and, and you know all the rest of it um but on the side of it our membership program is there for somebody who wants to make a direct impact to, to, to another person's life yeah so that's where it goes your membership fee goes 100 percent to that child mm -hmm. Uh, at the moment, we're in Ginger, in Uganda. Uh, we're looking at expanding in 2020 to Colombia. And wow. that's more on a kind of um, entrepreneur agenda. So we want to... Uh, the government at the moment is pushing for entrepreneurship. That's sort of its focus at the moment. And there are... I think 60,000 street kids in, in Colombia who have no school, have no place to live. Isn't it sad that these kids actually want to go to school as well? That's exactly it. Where you have society here yeah. where these kids don't want to go to school, yeah. they don't want to work, they yeah. don't want, they, all they want to do is sit on their phone yeah. and play yeah. with Instagram and yeah. play, play games. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that, that these kids here have a, not all the kids, and I don't mean to... Yeah, yeah generalise. Yeah, yeah, but why do you think that we see that here a lot, where the kids are naughty, they're rebelling, they don't want to go to school, they don't want to educate themselves, where, on the other hand, you know, you go to Colombia, you go to Uganda. These kids want to learn. These kids want to go to school every day. I wish I was like that as yeah, a child. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that is a, there's a huge divide? I, I think if, if we sort of come from 
a place where if you have it all and it's all so so very easy for you there's a lack of hunger for it and I think we you know we have that that kind of ability to sort of overspoil I think our kids a little bit and what you see in in sort of children that don't necessarily have it all they have this hunger which they develop so mm. it's a, it's a sort of tenacity that they have and it's innate it's it's within them if they have to walk two hours to school they'll walk on foot if they haven't eaten they'll you know still go but they have a drive which sometimes we lack here yeah. and that's because we get comfortable and when you have comfort you 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 relax, relax yeah because because you don't need to because the Why state's going to look after you because otherwise this is going to happen or, or mum's here or dad's here or you know, whatever it is so you you have that but but when when you don't have that kind of um network or that sort of um stability you you develop the survival skill yeah and that's what's missing mm. that that's what i think is 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 missing a little bit what inspires you then? Because obviously you've come from, you know, you've not come from, you've brought up here. Yeah. So you've had, in some ways, you sort of had yeah. some luxuries. Yeah. And it's been, you know, Absolutely. It, you know, it's been in, the food's been in the fridge and yeah. you've been to the shops and you've had all those luxuries. What's inspired you? What's kept you motivated to achieve what you've achieved? I think, I think with me, sort of, if, if I, if I look, if I look back, Daniel was, um, key in my life to want to, for, for me to want to be more better greater uh, be an example for him I think he was sort of the instigator for my drive and as I kind of began working in sales and sponsorship I had a knack for it I was I was good yeah. I was really good um, but then I felt a bit disheartened because I was like but there's there's no kind of um purpose to these amazing events where is the development in in sort of people that we're advocating you know I I think each event portfolio is very different but if we're talking about sort of women and female leadership there should be some form of sort of development behind it Mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted to create I wanted to create yes the right conversation around it um the right space to, to have sort of um people who can influence change but then also for us to come away and say we, we also have a story uh we're also doing something to help progress uh female development or education and, and this is this is our work yeah so i think for me it's very important to to be behind a company that is doing exactly that what sort of message could you give to someone looking to maybe either start their own business, trying to find some motivation or inspiration. Maybe someone's thinking, like, I want to do something like Claudia. I want to be able to be inspirational. I want to be able to lead and provide. And, but they may be lacking. They're trying to find... Maybe they don't have Daniel. Yeah, that's yeah? <laughs> they, they I, was, I was lucky. <laughs> yeah, they, don't have, they don't have yeah, a Daniel, yeah, but yeah. They're, they're, they're wanting to do it. What, what motivation could they find? Where could they find the motivation? Where could they find that inspiration in order to go, yeah, I'm going to go do this and make yeah, an impact? Yeah, nice. No, I, I, think, I think sort of my journey now, which has been short, but it's been really kind of, um, it's been crazy. Um, it, it's been through sort of my networks and the conversations that I've had through partnerships. Um, I think that's really helped for me to like when I met Isaac that was through a network that was through an event that I attended to that was through conversation through you know so I think when you when you begin to sort of um 
discuss your ideas and you have that sort of um, confidence to say, I want to do this. Yeah. I think that is the starting point for you to be able to start connecting with people that also want to and can and can facilitate something. Yeah. Ask you know, I wanted to go to Africa. I wanted to go to Uganda. I wanted to understand um, the education system there. I wanted to see how they lived. I was just curious. And I asked Isaac, Isaac, can I, can I go? Can I visit you? Can I stay? It's really inspiring because so many people say, I want to go to Uganda. I want to build yeah. a well. Yeah. I want to build a school. Yeah. But no one does it. No. They, they don't. No. You know, I just, I'm just trying to find, like, I just, I, I always say, like, I want to start the Nathan K Foundation and stuff like that, and it, it's, it's really, it's hard for me to get there, and I'm, we're going to get there, but people keep saying, I want to do this, I want to do that for charity, but... You have to just do it. Yeah, but how, like... You book a ticket. Yeah. I booked a ticket, and I organised it, and I just went, and then when I went, it's sort of one thing developed to another, and then to so another. just do it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> and I keep action. So behind you it says action. Actions. It's doing. If it's, it, the, my point was, and I made a video long ago, was about stop talking about it. Yes. Just if you want to do something, do it. Just go and do exactly. it. Exactly. So you do have to make. You know, you, if you're going to say something, you've got to action it. Yes. And and I think sometimes we sort of we feel good about saying it. Or yeah. We feel <laughs> we feel good about wanting to do it. It's half hearted though. Yeah. yeah. It's it, And when you sleep at night. You, you sort of you let down yourself. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, and I've always said to people, if you're going to say something, go do it. If you want to, uh, just stop talking, and just get on with it. Yeah. Um, so you, your advice is like, just go do it. Yeah. It'd be life changing, I'm sure. It, no. Yeah. It, you know, if if nothing comes of it, you've learned and you've grown as a person. You've taken something away from it. Mm. Is there, is there a, so? Can they go to your site? Yeah. And and find a place where they so. No one would know where to start. So it's one thing then thinking, okay, I'm going to book a ticket, but I'm not going to just go on the airlines, go on Sky. Yeah. So, so for example, with... No, no, I, I, see, I see what you mean. So, for example, we have um, free schools that we work with. Yeah. Um, and we need more people to sort of join us. We've got different memberships um, for, for those who actually want to, want to go to Uganda. We have the option um, to arrange uh, the trip to connect them with Isaac to go visit the schools. We're looking at building the first library in Jinja, Uganda, because there is no storytelling there. So the children learn by textbooks, and it's very much sort of wow. reciting and sort of um, memorizing. But that's about it. But you don't have a space where children can be children and they can love stories and they can listen sort of to a book. Listen to a book and, and have that. That doesn't that doesn't exist. So what we want to do is with after the wing program from sort of <clears throat> what we get from the delegate passes, we want to be able to invest in the first library there. So can go can go people donate to that? Yes. So it's it's by a membership um, platform, so mm-hmm. to speak. So you become a member and that money goes 100% to either the cause, as in the project, if it's sort of um, <clears throat> helping to build the library, or if it's to sponsor a child for a year. So it's £100 for a year. Okay. That's, that's, that's it. nothing. Yeah. You know, but we know that with that, um, the child's getting food, uh, he or she is getting uniform, school, utilities, all of it. And... We, 
Isaac, because he has his family there as governors, we know uh, the progress reports, are they coming to school, how are they doing, you know, so, so there's that kind of uh, contact because it's a grassroots project, sure. so we're able to be very much hands-on. And from the ground exactly, up. Exactly, from the yeah. ground up and be able to see him progressing into secondary school, into university, and then, then being able to sort of help back sort of their community. Okay, mm. so guys, if you are looking to do something a bit more fulfilling in your life, instead of just paying for sponsored ads on Instagram, you know, you could actually go to Uganda and do something really meaningful yeah, if you don't amazing. already. And all you've got to do is just go onto the website, become a member and just learn. You, know, you can find out the schools to go to. They can help with the flights. They can help with dates and all that. So go to the site and visit. It's really good. So what's next? So what's the next step for you guys? The I know you're building the... the yeah. The, the library but you know what's what's the vision what's the plan the vision is to be able to take the wing program uh, which is one of our portfolios and, and have it sort of regional so be able to have one in say South America have one in Colombia to discuss the issues on education female leadership diversity and inclusion in, within sort of more of a specific kind of uh, geographical uh, context yeah. um, and from there be able to have community projects in South America take the wing program in Africa and develop our community projects mm -hmm. there so that's sort of our vision is so we have a, uh, our international one which is in Stockholm on the 13th of September okay. but what we want to do is be able to sort of start launching sort of regional events and, and programs how many members do you currently have uh, we currently have 50 Wow, okay, yeah. that's decent. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's very yeah. good. And are they a mix of different, like, are they entrepreneurs? Are they young? Are they old? So they started off with my family. Yeah. That's exactly nice. how it started off. Their family, their friends, their networks. And now it's very much through um, companies and, and corporations that I'm talking to with regards to sponsorship because what we're seeing now is sort of companies want to be meaningful, right? They're striving to sort of have... They're striving to be more sustainable. That's that's the kind of vision I think sure. for, for corporations now. It's the twenty thirty sustainable development goals, yeah. right? Um, so with that, what we're seeing is there's more of an appetite to be associated with events which do more than just put on a good show. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's where we're doing doing really well, and we're kind of, I think. I'm really excited about sort of our journey with respect to that because we're able to offer that. We're able to offer that story. So you come to our event, you sponsor us, you know that you are joined to sort of what it is that we're doing and, sure. and the work that we're creating. Well, you've got 52 members now, so me and my wife will become members for hey. sure. So, yeah, she doesn't know yet, but yeah, we, are become, we will become members. Um, okay, so you're, that, that's great. What, do you get involved with the agriculture side of things? Like, in. like farming, do you get involved with, uh, you know, like foods, anything like that? So, you know, you talk about the education side and building a library, um, but talk to me about sort of the food side of things. Like, you know, are people hungry? Are they starving? In, in, in rural Uganda, yeah. what we see is they don't, they don't ha like, if, if we're talking sort of within sort of their, their day, the children do not eat during the day. There aren't any free school meals provided for them and there is no water and it's boiling. And is that because they haven't got the resources to grow the food or to... That's or to... because the, the school itself doesn't provide uh, free school meals for children. Okay. And also the parents are on very, very low incomes where yeah. they can't afford to be able to pay the fees and school, which is porridge, um, for them or, or water. So that that's just not it's not an option. 
Wow. It's not an option. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a tough choice. It is, isn't it's it? really tough choice. You know. Okay. So they basically they can go to school, but they possibly if they go to school they don't eat. No. Yeah. Exactly. And so a lot of them they they go back home sort of midday because they're starving. They're That's, they're hungry. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you go out without lunch and and you're studying and in the heat and everything. You, there's after two three p.m. You want to go home. You want to eat. Absolutely. You, you know. So what's the journey for these kids? So do you, you've got a fam, you've got a couple of families you're working with at the moment. Yes. Uh, and, exactly. and how's their progress been so far? Has there been any sort of updates where you think you know that there are, a success story? Yeah, yeah. So we have one, um, we have one, one uh, boy that started with us in 2015, and he's now off to university, um, and that's that's amazing. He, I, I met him in in Uganda, and he'd heard that we were we were sort of sponsoring. Um, kids in in sort of the school and he came running and he was trying to find me because we were focusing on girls uh, a lot more just because they have different challenges he came running he was sweating and he said look I I really need this I'm really bright I love science and he showed me all his marks it just broke my heart no genuinely it did (laughs) it really did and um, yeah he's off to university that is incredible. It is incredible. That is incredible. But also, what we do is we buy them, I'll, you know, I'll share with you the pictures. What we do is we buy them, for example, shoes and, and a new uniform um, and socks and everything else and a new bag and it's, you know, looking amazing. Yeah. But it's also their sort of self-esteem. You can see sort of the before pictures when their uniforms sort of, you know, got holes in and they have sure. no shoes and, you know, all the rest of it. And they're sort of going to this shop, you know, and they're trying on their shoes and their smile, like, you know, they can't hide it's it. It's priceless, that, isn't it? Of course it, it is, yeah. It doesn't cost it a lot. No. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, fine. And what about you personally? So, you've got three beautiful boys. I've got three beautiful Daniel, the oldest. Daniel, Tristan and Archie. Okay. And we were, we were there first with Archie. <laughs> Because Archie's a year old. Oh, uh, okay, fine, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, tell me about, you know, tell me about your life. Tell me about, you know, what so do you like to do? Yeah, absolutely. God, so I've had, uh, my mum's really helped me uh, within sort of work. Um, my day-to-day, I'm quite lucky because I'm able to work from home, be with the kids, take them to preschool, come back. Um, so I work kind of from nine to three, mm-hmm. um, spend time with Archie cause he's not going to preschool yet. Um, I'm just at home and I'm sort of devoted to my work, I guess. Nice. That's, that's it. Like chasing him around. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my shoe, Archie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> running around. Okay. So mayhem. more of the fun side then, um, is there, is there a show that you're currently watching on Netflix apart from Narcos? Oh my God, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even watch Narcos. <laughs> it's an insult, I think, to sort of everything that we've sort of seen. Um, oh, show. Yeah, there's this one, which is a Casa de Papel. Um, money Haste. Okay. Money, that's, oh, Money Heist. Yeah, Money Heist. That's that really one. good. That's, that's in Spanish as well, isn't yes, it? It's yeah. in Spanish. But there'll be <laughs> Money Heist. Yeah. Um, but it will be... Right, there's a new uh, season coming out. Of. Is there? Yes. Oh, that was so good. Okay, so you're watching that at the moment. <laughs> watching that at the if moment. You were, if you had two people to sit around a dinner table... Oh, God. It could be uh, alive or dead. Okay. Um, who would you have? Mm. Oh, I think, I think I'd like to have my grandfather. Okay, really nice. 
<laughs> that, okay. And I'd probably really like to speak with um, Martin Luther King. Ooh, yeah. that's a good one. Okay, fine. Um, if you had, are you into music? Yeah, I guess so, a little bit. So if there was a tune that we knew, or sort of that's maybe the general audience, if there was a tune that you had to play for the rest of your life, for the rest of my life. One tune, what would it be? I may go for Despacito. Despacito? <laughs> Justin <Yeah>. Bieber? <laughs> but not, not the Justin Bieber one. Cut, cut, <laughs> get, get her out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not even know the words? Sí, claro. Do you? I'm not going to sing it. No, okay, fair enough. But apparently she knows the words. Okay, great. Um, if there was a message that you would give to sort of people out there, either about your charity or to inspire people, what, what would it be? What was, if there was something that you could deliver and they, say, look, you know, whatever it might be, to inspire somebody to maybe go and run their own business, to support a charity, become a member of your charity? Um, I think now is the perfect time to sort of be able to create something that's yours. I, I think we'd be, we'd be sort of, I think, lazy if we don't take the opportunity that's sort of around us with sort of internet and travel. I, I think now is, now is a time for, for people to sort of really be, I think, creative and make a difference. Yep. I, I think that's, that would be sort of my message. Agreed. Like, it's so easy these days to be able to, it should be so easy to create something yourself. And do you think it's just finding something that you're passionate about and running with it? I think that's... That's one one sort of element of it. I think it's it's difficult to sort of sit down with your thoughts and be able to kind of say, right, this is what I want to create. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's sort of quite quite a difficult thing to to sort of do. But when you have that, I really believe in partnerships and network. I don't think you can do one without the other yep. necessarily. So, so what, it's so important to be able to network with people, collaborate with people. But, like, yeah. there's no way you can do it just on your own. There is no way. There is no way, and I, I think you can only get um, this far ahead if you're do, if you're doing it sort of on your own. I th- really believe that it's about sort of um, a collaboration, a network. I mean, I could have a great idea to help support children in Uganda, but if no one joins me to help, I can't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, if we still have x amount of millions of children out of school there's no way i can solve the problem on my own but if you you and i join forces and then we have more people more people we we can actually be the solution to so many issues which are around us so i think we have uh, that capacity as a collective Mm -hmm. to be able to make a difference that i I believe in yeah yeah. i do i've always said people like you know get people around you and get people around you that are better than you at what you're trying to achieve as well Um, what are a good way? What do you think are good places to network and and to find people? LinkedIn. Yeah, I think LinkedIn's a great tool. It's free. Um, I think it's quite easy to sort of send a friend request, maybe send an email. I'm sort of old school when it comes to sales. I like to pick up the phone and call. And That's sort of <laughs> pick up the phone. Pick up the phone because you don't. It's one of the best tools. Do you know what? And nowadays, everyone's so reliant on sort of uh, emails. They're a bit shocked when, when they get a call now. Yeah, yeah they are, aren't they? Well, it's, it's so lazy. Yeah. Like, pick up the phone, speak yeah. to somebody. Yeah. You can get an idea of what they're feeling, yeah. how, what yeah. they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, schedule a meeting, introduce yourself. Yeah. It's, it, creates, it creates a bit more of an impact than if you're reading sort of... Uh, an email which is sort of a little bit out of the blue. So I yeah. think it's easier to speak to somebody. Okay, fine. Today we've had Claudia. Claudia? Claudia. 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 
Claudia, Claudia. Zapata. Zapata. <laughs> on the couch. If you have any questions for Claudia or if you want to get in touch, her details will be below if you're watching the YouTube channel. If you're listening on the podcast, um, I'll also attach it in the description. Um, and I'll also attach your charity, the website to your, yeah. not to your charity. It's but a social your, enterprise. Yeah. yeah. To your social enterprise. I'll attach the links. Add the links. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to on the listing or watching? No, but thank you. Thank no. you for having me. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. And I'm going to carry on watching Narcos. Thank you. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.